You are listening to the Brand Ambition Podcast with your branding and marketing coach, Valerie Howard. She's here to teach you exactly how to attract more clients, make more money, and create an online presence you will love. Here she is, your host, Valerie Howard. Hey guys, welcome back. You're listening to the Brand Ambition Podcast, and today I have a really exciting guest, one of my favorite people on the planet is Stefan Fitch, and he is a former London and Chicago bureau chief of Forbes magazine, and now he's the founder and editor-in-chief of Fitch Inc., which is an editorial services firm doing amazing things with lots of big-time companies and also some smaller companies, but I'll let him talk a little bit more about that, but he's here to talk to us about how to get into some of these major publications uh, for all of those owners out there, all of you who are starting to get your press or looking to position yourself as an expert in your field, how do you get into Forbes magazine? How do we get into HuffPost? What's the best approach? So here he is. Welcome, Stefan. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here and and, uh, thanks for that great introduction. You're so welcome. So to kick things off, tell us a little bit about your story, if you don't mind. About my firm. You know, it's interesting because in a lot of ways, I and still a, a budding entrepreneur. I left Forbes magazine in uh, early 2011 to start Fitch Inc. And, um, you know, I had been at Forbes for 12 years. It worked at other news services, written a lot about business by then. And of course, naturally being a seasoned journalist thought I knew everything there was to know about business. But I find every day is a, is an opportunity to learn here. Fitch Inc is, uh, a little different. You know, there have been public relations firms in the world of media, you know, for decades. You know, the classic old method, if you were a smaller business and you wanted to attract the attention of, say, an editor or writer at, you know, the the L.A. Business Journal all the way up to the Wall Street Journal, you'd hire a public relations person, a skilled communicator, and you'd say, look, I'd love to be able to get some attention from some of these writers. I'd love to get quoted in a story. I'd love to have a story written about me, you know, about my donut shop or about my you know, power utility or whatever kind of business you had. And that's how the world worked for so long. And then in the mid 2000s, you know, leading up to the time that I left uh, Forbes, I started noticing that there was a lot more of what we call sort of contributed content or, or um, say content marketing where, you know, business owners and business thought leaders weren't necessarily only getting quoted in places like Forbes and the Wall Street Journal, they weren't just hiring their PR people to call editors and writers like me. They were showing up and saying, I can write an article that is as good or better or as thoughtful as anything in your magazine or on your website. And I will, um, you know, I will offer that to you and as a way of getting some attention from your readers and sort of sharing ideas and being a bit of a teacher here. And in turn, you know, getting me an opportunity to be at say, in the pages of Forbes or on Forbes.com or the Wall Street Journal or wherever. And it, it struck me that that really was where the media was going and that public relations firm would do – public relations firms would be good liaisons between businesses of every size, as they always have been, and the media. But that this particular type of thing, they would really – you'd want a different kind of consultancy – that you'd want to work with people who had been at places like the Wall Street Journal or Forbes or Time Magazine, and that you'd not only want those that firm to act as your agent, you know, I approach the publication and say, gee whiz, my, you know, my, my client has got a, a chain of very successful donut shops in, in, in Oklahoma and, and 
you know, believes that he has something to say about nutrition, um, you know, uh, all the way to, um, to actually helping create that content, to being a partner. So if you're a smaller business, maybe you're just now beginning to start to think about, gee, I need to do some media outreach. I, I really need to be, I need to be telling the world about my brand somewhat by maybe appearing in the publications they care about. I'm a beauty company and I would like to be, I'd like to, you know, have a presence at, you know, at L magazine or I'm a, an engineering firm and I want to appear in the, you know, electrical engineers weekly or something like that. 20 years ago, no question. You would have just simply hired a public relations firm and said, Hey, get the editors on the line. In today's world, you kind of have at least a second choice and maybe even an alternative choice, um, which is to say, you know, maybe I could appeal to these guys by saying, I can make a really useful contribution. I can write an article for you. And you might consider hiring, you know, a partner for that. If not Fitchink, certainly a, a firm that's like that. And if you do hire a public relations firm, you would certainly ask them to do both. So that's kind of a long-winded, I apologize, kind of a long-winded explanation of, of how what started Fitchink and why we've continued to grow so quickly over the last five years. Awesome. No, you have a great business where you're working with companies and business owners to help them craft their message and put together their ideas, right? Words and thoughts and, and become their own, you know, the thought leaders that they're looking to become, which is huge in terms of branding. And given your personal experience, your incredible experience at Forbes in particular, I would love to focus on that for a minute, on that publication for a minute. Do you think that I mean, does every entrepreneur out there, and I work a lot with solopreneurs, a lot of our listeners are what we call solopreneurs. So they're really just starting out on their own. They have a website and a concept, maybe one or two clients, but they want more. Would you say that every entrepreneur has an angle, has a a shot at a publication like Forbes or which type of entrepreneurs like should be going after something like that? It forces a really interesting beast. And it's actually a big national. I really believe Forbes is sort of a national treasure as far as media companies go, because it has a different view of business and capitalism than sort of um, the other big names in business media. It has a unique curiosity, I think, about entrepreneurship. There's always been an entrepreneur section at Forbes. You know, if you, if you tore into Forbes, yes, of course, you'd see a Coca-Cola on the cover or a, you know, a Bill Gates. But you could tear into Forbes and you would frequently find in the entrepreneur section in particular, you know, smaller, much smaller firms um, doing interesting things because Forbes is fundamentally interested in um, how businesses are owned and how wealth is created. It's a slightly different point of view than, you know, most of the big names in media focus a lot on publicly traded firms. And the simple reason is that they know that their readers are largely investment professionals who own these shares or, or manage accounts that have them in them. And essentially, a, a private firm is less interesting to these uh, these big publications. Forbes has always been deeply concerned with, you know, sort of how does wealth get created? How do you be a, a good capitalist? How do you be a successful capitalist? And, and you know what? Sometimes being a successful capitalist is owning, you know, a chain of dog grooming stores, but you own it. You run it brilliantly well. It's never going to be a big publicly traded firm, but it's incredibly satisfying for you. You make your customers happy and you're, you're getting wealthy doing it. So yeah, absolutely. Forbes is a play in the old days when it was really just the magazine. You know, it was pretty tough to compete for that entrepreneur space. I mean, you know, um, lots of entrepreneurs wanted to be in the magazine and uh, you would try to choose something that was interesting and you didn't always try to, 
you know, focus on larger firms, but it just was a natural thing to focus on uh, companies with bigger numbers and more impact. Today, I think what's really exciting about Forbes.com, which is, is, um, you know, obviously Forbes magazine still published, still very vital. Forbes.com, you know, is 70 million uniques a month. I mean, 70 million American, mostly Americans. Um, I would imagine there's international readership as well, but 70 million people per month sort of read at least one story at Forbes.com. There's an enormous playing field. And, um, it's a lot easier today, I think, to, if you are a small entrepreneur and you really feel like you have a story to tell. Um, and you want to you wanna reach an audience of people who are curious, people who are business-minded. Some of them are probably would like to find private companies that, that maybe are looking for investors, you know, angel investors or VC investors. Or they just are looking for uh, inspiration. You know, that's a great place to turn um, is to, you know, um, you know, in the old days, you had a pretty small staff of Forbes reporters, people like myself. Today, you've got not just that staff of people at Forbes, but you've also got just this remarkable large network of Forbes contributors, uh, many of whom are interested in entrepreneurship. And there is still, to this day, if you go to Forbes.com, you'll see um, there is specifically a Forbes Entrepreneurs channel. And it's, it's incredibly vital. You know, it competes vigorously with other sort of entrepreneurs, magazines like, like Inc., like Entrepreneur, um, and some of these others. And I think, um, I think it's a really exciting space. Um, and I, I think the fact that if you are out there on your own and you're kind of small and you're not having, you know, huge impact yet should not discourage, uh, you from saying, Hey, you know, I want to, I want to engage. I want to be, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to get a shot at those 70 million, you know, uniques a month. I'd like to have a, maybe even compete for space in the magazine. And, and, uh, there's no reason why you shouldn't be thinking ahead about like, you know, how do I, you know, how do I get there? And, and then, you know, what kind of story do I really want to tell? Is it, is it, do I have a breakthrough product? Do I have a, you know, do I have a personal story of, of wealth creation to tell? You know, did I face a huge management challenge that I think, you know, maybe was really difficult and was painful? Um, but I came through it by golly. And, and I'd love to share, you know, sort of the, the drama of that. Um, there are all different ways to sort of create interesting stories. It's just a matter of figuring out what works for you. Awesome. And you, you're touching on this a little bit, but I would love for you to expand on this for our listeners because I can hear sort of the light bulb moments happening. How does an entrepreneur, how does a business owner figure out if they have a story and figure out what that story is? And you gave some amazing examples, but I'm just curious to hear if there's a process as well that you would recommend or even your process when you are working with a new client for the first time and sort of, you know, vetting and feeling out like what could be appropriate for Forbes or for that matter, Inc. or Entrepreneur Magazine or any of these other business-minded, business-focused um, publications. You know, it's it's a great question because we've all had that moment. We you know, I, I don't know. I listen to NPR. I read the New York Times. I read Forbes, a few other things, Outside Magazine. Those are my personal that, – that's my personal reading. And once in a while, I'll say, um, I'll hear about something and I'll say, that ought to be a story on NPR. Or, boy, that would be a great thing for Outside Magazine. Um, and, and it's because I know these publications kind of down pat. I mean, I have like a, an emotional connection to them. I really feel like I understand, you know, kind of what kind of stories interest them. If I'm a business owner and maybe I'm reading Forbes closely or I'm reading – you know, Business Week or, or, or Entrepreneur Magazine or, or, or L Magazine for that matter. Um, you know, you're, you're probably going to have a, a sense of like, I know what kind of, I've been reading this magazine for years. I love it. I know what kinds of things appear here. And you might be able to work out on your own. You know, I, I have a product that I think L would love to put on its new products pages. Or I have a, a great story from, uh, you know, from the, 
you know, about my little chain of restaurants that I know would just fascinate the guys at Entrepreneur Magazine. That's not a bad method. You can work it out on your own. But at some point, and, and if your budget is limited, that's where you're going to play. You know, you're going to, you're going to, you're going you're to be reading these publications closely, getting to know kind of their DNA, and then taking your best shot at saying, let me figure out, you know, do I belong on the pages of this magazine? And then, and then you literally just, you know, you, you will call, uh, you know, the people that write the stories and you, you try to get through to them and you try to say, Hey, listen, I've read that terrific story you did about that, you know, that chain of beauty shops, uh, six months ago, I've got a, a chain of, uh, donut shops and I've, I ran into a, a, a totally different kind of problem, but I really think you, you should, I'd love to tell you about it. That's not a bad method, you know, if you're super budget limited, but there's a, you know, a better way to go and maybe a more efficient way to go is to, is to, to, to turn to the pros, you know, turn to the, to a, a good, solid, a solid PR person who's like, it is that person's job to know the personalities of, you know, not just two or three or four magazines that they particularly love, but it is their professional, uh, you know, uh, obligation to say, I know, you know, I, I pay attention to 30 publications. I pay attention to publications that you don't even know about. That would be a great, great play on the audience you're trying to reach. You, you know, I know about, um, you know, a website that, people who are interested in donut shops read religiously. Um, and, and, and if you want to reach, you know, uh, that crowd, you know, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I, it's, I don't personally love this magazine, but it's my business to know how it works. It's my business to know people there have relationships there and I could get you lunch with so-and-so and you could tell your story. So turning to a, a professional is a, a great move in today's world. What's interesting is as I mentioned earlier, you know, the, the old days, it was real simple. You know, you look at a, a magazine, you say, how do I connect to that staff? The other much more powerful play really these days is to say, look, I have something smart to say. I'm the second most important intellectual property attorney in Los Angeles, and I want to become the first most important one. And in a way, you know, yes, of course, I'm a legal expert, but I'm also, I run a, a law firm and, and I would like my law firm to get some attention. A great play is to say, well, you know, you know a ton about intellectual property law. Why don't you approach, you know, one or another publications and say, look, I could be your legal commentator. I could be your commentator in particular on intellectual property issues. It's a different vibe than trying to tell people why they should hire your firm. It's not an advertisement. It's thought leadership. But um, that's when uh, you can turn to you know, there is this subset of public relations that I think is growing and is very vital. I, I'd like to think we're, we're, you know, sort of at the avant-garde of this, but that specializes in saying, look, let's find you a home. You know, you'd be a terrific columnist at American Lawyer. You'd be a, you know, you'd be wonderful in the, in the Chicago Legal Affairs Journal. You know, we, we discover the audience we want to reach and then we find out what that audience is reading and then we get you in front of that audience in, in a way that maybe wasn't possible 10 years ago, um, not as a subject of a story or somebody who's quoted in passing, but rather like a commentator, a thought leader, um, someone who actually is you know, sort of writing the story. That's something new. I mean, it's something we're very passionate about, but it's really just an extension of an old tradition. So much good information in that. So I think, you know, a couple of clear takeaways for our listeners is that, you know, if you're on a budget, you're doing it yourself. 
I think the biggest tip that I heard is really to get familiar, intimately familiar with the publications that speak to your audience and figure out what they're running, what their writers are running and see how you could fit in there. And then if you have some of a bit of a budget, I want to ask you about this, then look at hiring the professionals who can, you know, reduce that learning curve and get you those introductions that are so vital. So two questions. So do the strategies that you're describing, do you think they are also a fit for the creatives out there, the people who maybe are creating their own business model, but they're, they're forging their way in a new industry, whether it's like a life coaching, a health related, even something with like health and wellness, spirituality. There's quite a few professionals that are starting their thing. They're doing their thing in these industries. Is it harder for them to get those introductions? And well, let's start with that. And then I'll, I have a follow up. You know, I'm really glad you asked that because actually I think it doesn't just apply. I think it's in fact more urgent for that particular type of uh, entrepreneur. If you are a, say you're a life coach or you are a wellness consultant or you are somebody that really people are hiring to say, look, I, I need to plug you in and, and help you. I want you to help me perform better. That in my view is very much, um, you know, what you're really selling are your ideas. Um, and when I am, if I'm, say I'm sitting in a cafe in Los Angeles and I'm saying, boy, I, I really could use a business coach or I could use a life coach or I could use a wellness coach. It's not really that different from saying, Hey, I need a financial advisor. I need a lawyer. I need a, and you know, if I see a list of 20 life coaches that I know are available in Los Angeles and I've heard a thing or two, I've heard, you know, um, I'm going to puzzle out, you know, well, which one should I hire? And I'm going to you know, see if I recognize any names. I'm going to see if I've heard friends mention, you know, a friend, obviously referral is huge for them. But boy, if I say, wait a minute, isn't this, this fourth name on the list? I recognize this. This is that life coach. He writes a absolutely world-class, really funny, smart, full of ideas column for, you know, for LA Weekly or for the Orange County Business Journal or for, or I hear, I've heard him or her interviewed on, you know, NPR or something like that. I think it's especially urgent for these types of players, people who are really ultimately what they're doing is they're selling their ideas. You know, they're, you know, even if you're like, I mean, a a physical therapist, a a personal trainer, you know, that's really what, you know, people are going to be looking to. And so I think it's especially urgent for those folks to look at, at content, uh, this, this sort of newer strategy. Um, it's hard for those guys to get profiled because, you know, uh, it's just they're so they're, they're working kind of on their own. And a lot of times, you know, they, they have their 25 clients. They're incredibly doing incredibly well with those 25 clients. They'd like to get to 50 clients, but this is not going to be a firm of 400 people. Um, and so they're not necessarily like a, a natural candidate for a, a profile um, in the L.A. Times or something. But boy, that expertise is just precious. If I'm the if I'm the wellness editor at the LA Times running that, you know, sort of, uh, once a week, you know, sort of health and wellness section they do, or I'm the, you know, I'm, I'm looking for expertise because I've got a column at, at, uh, you know, Forbes.com or, or I'm an editor, um, and I need a columnist at Forbes. I've got the, I'm, I'm the life uh, editor at Forbes.com and I'm looking for, you know, just a passionate, really knowledgeable person to sort of describe, you know, how to, you know, uh, get more out of your career, more out of your personal life or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, this is where I think 
these folks. Not it's not really that different than you know the chef who sort of figures out like, hey, if I get myself on television, become a celebrity chef, I get to practice my craft. Um, you know, maybe on a bigger stage. And so, boy, I'm going to start knocking on the doors over the Food Network. Um, you know, that's not absolutely. You don't. You don't. Have, there is a middle ground. You don't have to become a full-on celebrity chef because some of those guys sort of say, "Gee, I wish I was still back in the kitchen." You know. But yeah, I think in particular that crowd that you're talking about, these sort of solopreneurs. That's a, a mouthful. They are. They're especially uh, relevant here. So good to hear this. And I love this world that you're describing of writers and editors who are like looking for expertise and, and just information from these types of professionals in particular. So on that note, what would you recommend for these entrepreneurs, these business owners to get noticed? Like what is their first step? And you mentioned hiring potential help as an option, which is amazing. And that's a great option, I think, to sort of fast track to the finish line. But for those who are doing it themselves, let's say they profiled a couple of publications. They know what to do. They know what to write. What do they do to get noticed by the editors? Is it just as simple as an email to them? Should they reach out across social media? Does their social media presence matter? So what do you think? You know, I'm glad you asked that because there are steps you can take before you sort of get to the, hey, I'm going to spend money, hire a public relations firm, or hey, I'm going to hire, you know, Fitch Inc., you know, that, that kind of thing. One of them, I think, is surprisingly, I, I think people underestimate their own ability to promote themselves. If you say, boy, I really feel like I got a tale to tell to these guys at the LA Business Journal, or I've got, you know, I would love to get into, you know, Illinois Magazine, you know, or, or wherever it is, you start really understanding that publication. It is surprisingly powerful to just say, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to really narrow down the, the, the couple of names over there that I really feel like are writing and reaching that audience that I care about. They're, they're certainly reaching me. You know, I'm a, you know, owner of that chain of donut shops or whatever. I'm sorry to keep using it. I must have clearly I have donuts on the market. But I think it's very powerful when a reporter just gets a call um, from you know, a business owner. And it's like, hey, listen, I've got a story to tell you. Um, I think you'll be fascinated. Or I've got um, expertise to share with you. I'd love to, you know, I'd love to tell you about it. Let me take you to lunch. Let me take you to coffee. You know, let me at least understand one of the things you need to do is, is don't clunk them right over the head with it, but essentially say, you know, I think I'm start, I believe I, you know, I've been reading your, your stuff and, and the magazine for a while. Love what you do. Would love to, you know, I think I have a place in your life, but I'd also like to know more about what, what kinds of things you're hunting for. And so why don't we go have a coffee and talk about it? And it's really refreshing in a lot of ways for reporters and writers and editors to hear directly from People who say, I believe I could be a subject for a story or I believe I could be a good source for you, but I'm willing to invest some effort to really make sure that you, you know, I, I would like you to sort of learn more about me and let's see if we can work out a relationship. That is very powerful. Great first step. Reading them, you know, so you read whatever uh, publication online or otherwise, read the blog, read the, you know, the magazine, um, whether online or, or off. Really understand it. And then eventually, yeah, make that phone call. Another good first step um, in, in the world of content, I think is, I mean, I do believe that even if you don't think it's going to be read by very many people, I think starting a blog is powerful because one is you start it, it, you start learning a little bit about how to talk about your product or how to talk about what your, you know, what value add your company is trying to create. Sometimes the most important audience for a blog is the blogger, him or herself, right? They start writing about it and they realize like, hey, I'm discovering 
um, a new language, a new way of thinking about my business. And I'm realizing like, I kind of know it on the inside, but I'm, you know, maybe I'm struggling for words for, uh, to sort of explain it to somebody on the outside. By the way, maybe I'm even struggling for, to figure out whom I'm writing the blog for. Um, so I think that's a great first step, a blog, or if you don't have time for like a full blown blog, maybe start a Twitter feed or a good solid Facebook page and, and, you know, start to develop a voice because I think these days, you know, um, if, whether you're buying donuts or life advice or beauty advice, you know, or high grade jet engines, people will always have choices. And these days, you know, if you're buying something, you, you say, look, I'm going to have three different places I could buy this donut from. Um, I'd like to buy it from the, the passionate guy, right? It's a person who sort of not only has made me a donut, but has, you know, poured his heart into it, has brought, you know, some real creativity. And I believe is going to, you know, give me an experience that's a little outside the box. And I'll be able to understand this experience more. If someone's laying out money, I mean, I'm kind of joking about the donut, but if someone's laying out money for great life coach advice or they're laying out money for, you know, wonderful wellness advice or, or they're hiring, you know, they're, they're buying furniture, they want to know the story behind what they're purchasing. And they want to feel that that's kind of part of what they're buying into. They're, in a way, they're making an investment. So good. I love that you're talking about creating a blog or a channel of some kind to create your content. I love to recommend that to my clients because it's a way to find clarity. You'll be surprised, I think, at what comes out of it, whether it's just an idea for a new service or a product or just, you know, your own voice, like you said. I think that's so valuable. This is so good. So a question I have for a few of uh, my readers actually asked me this specifically. If they're already contributors, let's say they, they're a Huffington Post contributor, is that something to leverage? Or do you just like ignore that fact when you reach out to say Forbes or Entrepreneur Magazine? Does it help you or is it something that you just, you don't need to mention? No, I, I think it's absolutely something to leverage. I mean, I, I, I spent some time with Ariana Huffington and I, I have enormous respect for her. And I, I do think Huffington Post is like, I think it's a national treasure. It, it truly is, you know, what I think Ariana has sometimes described as kind of a, a town square, you know, where business people and political people and people who are obsessed by celebrity and, and people who want to talk about wellness issues or donuts for that matter um, can all kind of arrive, um, get on their soapbox for a moment and sort of have their say and, and audiences are, you know, hunting around for ideas can connect with that person on that soapbox. And if you're interested in celebrities, you're going to read the celebrity stuff at Huffington Post. If you're interested in politics, you're going to find that too. If uh, anybody in the audience is fortunate enough to be a Huffington Post contributor, um, yeah, they should leverage it in the sense that you should make the contributions meaningful. You should never make them self-serving. You should you know, model what you do after the great columnists at the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, where, you, you know, if you've got a, an opinion, you should bring enough information to get the reader informed so that even if they don't sort of agree with your view, um, they'll still get information. Um, then they're going to regard you as valuable. You should go out of your way to quote people you disagree with because people should know the other side of the story. The best contributions you'll see on Huffington Post are not opinion-driven. Um, people think of that when they they think when they sit down to write that they have to have an opinion, they have to have a point of view. Actually, the more valuable stuff is often just like, hey, here's something of interest. Here's analysis and information that will help you understand this thing. Um, and I'm going to sort of keep my opinion out of it. Um, I'm going to resist the urge to sort of tell you what to think, dear reader. So that's one thing you can do to make your Huffington Post 
uh, column stand out. You should contribute as frequently as possible. Um, the fact of the matter is writing more often makes you better, uh, makes you more powerful. And yes, if you succeed and you really, your Huffington Post column really catches on um, and you kind of develop a little audience for it, there is no reason in the world why you shouldn't say, hey, I'm a pretty successful HuffPo column. You know, nothing wrong with that. They get a huge amount of traffic. I, I think on the order of you know sixty to eighty million of, uh, uniques a month. But there's nothing wrong with saying I can take this to another prestigious outlet that I think is maybe a little more narrowly focused on the audience I'm trying to reach. You know, Huffington Post is sort of everybody. Maybe you say, "Gee, I'm a I'm a health and wellness person, and I'm I'd really like to. I love nothing wrong with Huffington Post, but I, I'd like to be able to sort of hit. I'd love to be a, a columnist for L.com or or, or Vogue or healthandwellness.com, whatever it is. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with being able to go in and sort of show that stack of Huffington Post clips and saying, this is what I did for these guys. Um, gee whiz, I could be doing this for you. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with the leveraging it that way. And then there's also, you know, to think a little bit about like, um, you know, what kind of audience am I trying to reach? Am I trying to develop customers for my product? I make a, a, a beauty product of some kind, a skin cream, and I want more people to buy my skin cream. You know, it's a little tougher to use thought leadership to sell skin cream, but but what you can do is if you you're like, look, I don't, I'm not trying to reach people to buy skin cream. This cream, skin cream will sell itself. Um, you know, skin cream has advertised. We do that. What I'd like to do is I'd like to reach investors. I'd like to reach stakeholders. I'd like to reach maybe potential future employees, um, people who will sort of go, hey, sh- she doesn't just sell skin cream. This is a real thoughtful, passionate thinker, uh, an entrepreneur. This is the type of person I'd like to work for, or this is the type of person I'd like to invest with. And so, you know, maybe you don't write about skin cream. You write about running a, a beauty business, or you write about branding, or you write about something that's that shows that you're thinking about this on a bigger level. So helpful. Okay, so I know we're running down on the clock. But another question that came in from my readers is about press releases and media releases. One reader in particular spent, he, they, they drafted a media release, spent a few hundred bucks to distribute it across, I'm not sure which wire, but to get it out there. And then they followed up with emails to editors and they heard crickets, which could be a number of reasons as we know. But in your opinion, are press releases dead? Are they useful to these startup entrepreneurs? Um, I mean, because I, I think the objective is to position themselves as experts and thought leaders. And would a press release help you do that? I like to say that I think the press release has kind of had its day. Um, the days of, you know, sort of crafting this thing, having the lawyers run over it. And I, I am a giant fan of PR Newswire and I love ProfNet and I love some of their properties and I love what they do. But, but this is a very... The press release is really for the bigger company. You know, when you're a big publicly traded company, you need sort of the official version, right? And a press release, the cost of the press release is like, I mean, I think most CEOs would be surprised to hear that a press release costs anything. Um, you know, if you're noticing the fact that you've had to spend money to create the press release, you probably shouldn't be releasing a press release. Um, because really, you've got better tools these days. You've got the website. You've got Twitter. And I think a press release is a bit distracting. I think you put a press release out there these days when a good rule is if I don't put out a press release, people will think this is weird. You know, there are 20, I know 20 different reporters need to cover this news. If I don't put out a press release, they'll wonder why, where is this guy? What's he hiding? That's the guy who needs to put a press release out. If you're an entrepreneur and you're like, I would love to get some attention for this thing that I think is a big deal. 
there are just better tools. There just simply are better tools. I would not invest in a press release. There it is, everybody. No, I think that's great. And I absolutely completely agree. And there's so many other better tools out there. So, okay. So one last question I have for those entrepreneurs and business owners who are like, you know what? I'm ready to just make an investment and I, I don't have time to figure all this out and I want to hire somebody. I mean, what is a budget that they should think about approach? I mean, I'm sure you can find somebody at, at either ends of the spectrum, but what do you think is a reasonable budget for that entrepreneur who's just starting out and again has like maybe a couple of clients, a website, you know, maybe not a huge array of services yet, but they have their eye on a much bigger vision for their business. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you asked that, you know, because I was sitting in that exact seat. Now, I happen to be a pretty darn good writer myself, so, so I never had to hire. But if you are really at the beginning and you're you're looking for a writer and you – not just somebody who can write but also somebody who's like got a little – you know, they've been in the media a bit and they kind of know their way around. Um, you know, you have to recognize that, that, that if you're going to ask that person to invest their time and energy in this, you've got to give them a fair wage. And I think – you know, I think sort of a, a ground floor price is is to maybe look at some sort of hourly rate akin to, you know, I think it depends a little bit on the pedigree of the person, but a really, a pretty accomplished, you know, someone who's been at, at, at I don't know, LA Business Journal or, or, or something akin, or that maybe, you know, have has some experience, right? I, I think it's reasonable to be looking at, you know, a $50 an hour price. I mean, this is less than you would pay a plumber. Now, true. Plumbers usually don't work eight, 10 hours, but you know, uh, writers are professionals. And, and if they're, if they're selling you their service for less than, you know, uh, 50 an hour, I think you need to wonder what's going on. Now, when you are offering say thousands of hours of work, you can probably start to get a little below, but for someone who's, if you're saying, Hey, listen, I need, I need help you know, four, eight, 12 hours a month to just, you know, um, to get into this. I think that's a decent, you know, very ground floor beginning space. Um, I think for, you know, bigger, seriously pedigreed, highly credentialed, you know, uh, t- uh, teams of writers, you know, you're probably looking more at that, you know, sort of two to $300 an hour rate. Then when you get into bigger projects, um, you know, retainers, these kinds of things. If you're a mid, if you're, you know, say you are a smaller firm, but you've got the, you know, you've got a marketing budget. I think you need to be thinking about budgets in the, you know, get started around a couple thousand a month. And I think you can go to 20, you know, the biggest, the biggest projects will often take, you know, these are editorial budgets that are akin to the kind of budgets you'd, you'd be spending on, on, uh, to, to create a newsroom, you know, that kind of thing. So I hope that gives at least some range. The cool thing is, I mean, you know, going back to that hourly rate I discussed earlier, and someone says, hey, listen, I just want to start kind of getting into this. I'd, I'd like someone to collaborate with. You know, I have the ideas. I just want to hand the problem off to someone else who could spend the four to eight to 12 hours. I think, I think you know, what are we talking? You know, I mean, we're talking about 200 bucks a month to, you know, maybe, maybe a thousand a month for the beginner. I think that's great because you give such a, a range where it's it's pretty clear that no matter where you are in your business, you can... Look into this. This is something that you could benefit from and not spend, you know, an arm and a leg. Now, on the flip side of that, if you're ready to go big, 
there is plenty of opportunity. So it's really finding, you know, what's the right fit for you and making sure that you are hiring the right person, knowing that you're going to pay for value. And I often say this to my clients who are looking for any assistance, whether it's um, graphic design assistance or just assistance in their business, uh, bookkeeping. I mean, you pay for what you get. So I think that if you're going to make any investment to look at that, that's such a good piece of advice. You know, and I think with that, Stefan, we are out of time, but is there anything else that I did not ask you that you would love to share with our readers? Maybe a final thought or tip or anything like that? You know, uh, probably my last thought is like a lot of this does revolve around trust. You know, if the person listening to this um, is thinking to themselves, well, I've met with a few PR people and I've never really kind of clicked. It's okay to want to click. And so meet people that, you know, whether you hire, say, just a terrific ex, you know, say, LA business journal writer who's kind of working on his or her own or whether you come to a, you know, a big sort of muscular firm like mine, um, you've got to feel some chemistry, but also be prepared for adventure. I mean, we, you know, good, smart thought leadership involves intellectual risks. There are always creative tensions and that's part of, that's part of the experience. I I wish I could tell entrepreneurs, you know, boy, are you going to have fun marketing yourself? It's all easy. And, you know, sure, the only bad part of it is you have to spend money on it because the rest of it's just pure joy. No, in fact, it's not like that. There's a lot of, there a lot of stub toes. If you're going to go into an adventure, find somebody, you, you know, you just feel good, really special about and then hold on to your hats. Love it. That's so true. It is such an adventure. So thanks guys for listening. Thank you, Stefan, for coming on. If you would like to learn more about Stefan Fitch and Fitch Inc., which I suggest you do, you can check out his website at fitchinc.com and I'll have it all linked up on my website under the Brad Ambition tab. Thank you guys again for listening and I will catch you next week. This wraps another episode of the Brand Ambition Podcast with your branding and marketing coach, Valerie Howard. Thanks for listening. For more branding and marketing smarts, be sure to check out ValerieHoward.com.